Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. So far, so good. I didn't turn the mic on when I walked by there like Luke told me, so. <laughs> first things first. Oh. Well, the subject today is uh, something that was read, preached on last week, and uh, Josh touched on it the week before that, and it wasn't intentional on our part. Uh, the subject is suffering. Christian suffering, and as the word says, in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let everything be established. It wasn't, this is something the Lord wants us to be settled in in our hearts. Because no matter where you are, uh, we've all been through some suffering already. We're, some of us, a lot of us are probably in the midst of things now in various forms. Uh, in this, and in the future, you know, Lord willing, Jesus doesn't come back. We will be going, we will go through things, unexpected things. Things you might see coming, but we're going, to, we're going to suffer in this life. But Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. And just like Jesus, he wants us to overcome in, in the midst of our trials and our sufferings and the things we go through. Let's, let's go to our text, First Peter 4.1a. It says, therefore, since Christ has suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. I don't know about you. I, I don't want, I mean, I don't want to plan for suffering. I like to insulate myself from suffering. I mean, that's what all state is for. You know, that's, 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 why, we have an, that's why we have health insurance and life insurance and car insurance and death insurance. We have, that's why we have these things. But this says, as Christ has suffered in the flesh, we're supposed to arm ourselves with that mindset. So it's, it's like a weapon or a means of defense. We, we have, God wants us to be of a prepared mind. And that mind was that you're going to do the will of God no matter what comes your way. No matter what happens in your life. And things happen. I mean, life is like that. And God has a purpose in those things. And this is part of his purpose. It says, because, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. God is using the suffering in our lives to purify us. To make us consistent. To make us holy. To make us pure. To make us desire what he desires and a lot of times we don't want to let go of things and god just in his mercy he he sends us brings us through things because he he is sanctifying us it says in verse two as a result he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but rather for the will of god this is god's effort to help us do his will. Because he knows we're the sons of and daughters of Adam. He's redeemed us, but he, we still want to hold on to our many things from our earthly life at times. And we don't fully understand what that is a lot of the time. 
but he does. Verse 3 talks about, for you have spent enough time doing the things of your past. Sometimes those things are hard to let go of. And these, I mean, in this context, they're talking about the idolatry and the paganism of the Roman world. If you've ever read anything about any of that, yeah, it's not, it's not some stuff you want your kids to read about even. It's pretty, it's pretty yucky stuff. But I don't know, all of us have been saved out of something. It could have been that bad. It could have been other things. You know, it could have been anything. God saved us out of those things. There's going to be opposition. The, the, the folks you've left are going to think you're strange. <laughs> they think it's strange that you're not like them. Now, if you are like them, that's, that's even worse. But I'm not going to emphasize, I'm not going to talk about uh, as much about that today. Uh, the suffering is the subject. Judgment is coming. It's, it's coming to those who don't know God, and, and it's going to also come to us because the end of all things is near, as it says in verse 7. I, I was looking at suffering and, uh, in, the, in, in the Bible, and there's three different types of suffering that you can find. There's, there's self-induced suffering. It's the kind that my sin, my decisions, it's consequences, really. If, if I... If I, you know, messed up my relationships, the consequences of those things, I'm, I'm going to have to bear those consequences. If I committed a crime, I'm going to have to do that. First Peter 4.15 says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, a thief, or any other criminal, or even as a meddler. I mean, think of King David. But if, you, if you're familiar with what happened with Bathsheba, he committed adultery, he committed murder. And all the consequences were unleashed in his family and in his own life. Some of the Psalms that you're reading are David because of, as a result of the, of, of, of the sins he committed and, and all the things that came upon him. He, I mean, he lost his throne for a time. He had a child, his first child with Bathsheba died. I mean, terrible things happened with his children. People being murdered, all kinds of things were, were unleashed in his family. This kind of suffering, unfortunately, we all, we all have some of that. And when we're in that kind of situation, we just have to humble ourselves before the Lord as, as we see those con- the, the sins of consequence coming the suffering that comes from the consequences of our sin, and we just can humbly repent before the Lord and just ask God for mercy, like David did. And he played, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me to the joy of your presence. He was, it, it was, in the, it was a, when he was coming back from his sin, I mean, we, we read, that is such a powerful, and there's songs about that, but that's David in the midst of that suffering. I mean, we think of Samson. We all know what happened to Samson. He ended up blind and grinding grain 
like a, like a cow. In, in a, and at the end of his life, there was repentance and, and God did a, did a mighty act. But Samson suffered because of his sin. Saul lost the kingdom because of his rebellion and self-will. When we're in that type of situation, we just can get on our knees and say, God, have mercy. Now, Jesus himself did not suffer this kind, for these reasons at all because he was sinless. The second type of suffering I see in Scripture is the kind that's caused because we live in a fallen and sinful, sin-cursed world. Sickness. The, the, the suffering that comes from having to work hard and put bread on the table. Cursed, Genesis 3.17 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it. We, there's, a, there's a suffering that just being in this body. Our bodies are in decay. I mean, I've gotten older now. Uh, I, guess, I guess when you're in your 20s, you usually can't preach. You talk about this kind of stuff. But as I'm in my late 40s now, it's, I, get, I have aches and pains from doing almost not anything. I, I do just about anything, and I hurt, I'm hurting the next day, the next minute. I mean, this week I was, I don't know what I did. I, I could hardly walk for three days, <laughs> and I don't even know what it was from. But our bodies are in decay. We're fighting a losing battle. But this is, this is the result of sin in the world and the fallen, fallenness of man. Then ultimately, because of the fall, there's death. All, the, all that happens, you know, all the grieving we do when someone dies, and all, all that's involved in that, and the sadness, that's, that, there's that sort of suffering. The third kind of suffering is from spiritual opposition and persecution. Let's look at 1 Peter 4.12. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This kind of suffering is also the result of choices. It's a result of your choice to follow Jesus and to, and to live righteously before him and to submit yourself to his will. And as that happens, there, there will be spiritual opposition from people, the devil, things that will just come your way. First Peter 4.16 talks about, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? <clears throat> and if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and to continue to do good. In a sense, this kind of suffering, this is the judgment that is beginning with the house of God. God is, God is allowing us to suffer now. And 
and it's to be expected. It says, all who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So, in my life, if I'm not, if I'm not being persecuted, I mean, this is something we, we should all look at ourselves. If, I, if I'm not being opposed, maybe I'm not very salty. Maybe, you know, the Bible says to let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Maybe I'm not salty enough in my life. I don't stand out in a good way. God didn't call us to stand out in a strange way or a weird way. (laughs) He didn't. But if if you're like Jesus, people will treat you like him. A servant is not is not better than his master. Jesus said, if they hate me, they'll hate you. You'll be loved within Christ's body, but on the outside, the more of Jesus you have, the more, oppos- the more, the more opposition you will get. That's some, just something to look, think about. I think about that myself. You know, who wants to be persecuted? <laughs> who, who was looking for that? It's not something you have to look for. If, if you'll follow Jesus with your whole heart, you know, it, it's, 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 it, will, it will happen. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over to Hebrews chapter 11 because I want to talk about a little bit about the, that's the faith chapter. Who, who are we looking to as our peers? I mean, the youth talk about peer pressure. And you become like who you're around. I mean, the people you look up to, I mean, hopefully as children and adults, you're looking, even your parents are good Christians, you're looking to their example. But we also need to look to other examples. We are going to spend eternity, not just with, you know your 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 grandparents who are who are saved and in heaven, but you're going to spend eternity with people like Moses, Isaac, David, Paul. We all know what they you know the word tells us what they went through. I mean let's let's look at Moses. It says by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses made a choice. He gave something up. This world was... He he chose... In a sense, he chose, he chose to suffer with the people of God versus suffering, versus enjoying the pleasures of Egypt. He was a prince. I mean, he had it made. I mean, if you're, if you're familiar at all with the way things were back then, you had, you know, the upper crust and everybody else was way down low. He was in the upper crust. He was going to have an easy life. But he, he gave that up. We don't want to shrink back. 
Hebrews chapter 12 says, these are, the, these are the people of the Old Testament that went before us, that suffered, and they didn't even, they were looking forward to what Jesus was going to do on the cross. They were looking forward to what would happen in the future. They didn't see it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every, everything that hinders and the sin that so in, easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This world is a test. And this, I don't know, this statement has really helped me. This world is a test, but heaven is our home. And oftentimes we're trying to insulate ourselves and trying to become more comfortable here. We're focused just on here. But our, our home is in heaven. That is where we will be forever. This is a temporary place. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in the, uh, as an army brat, okay? It's, that's the term we use. Uh, my, we, I lived in several foreign countries, moved all around the U.S., <clears throat> finally settled in, in eastern Iowa when my dad was at Rock Island Arsenal. <clears throat> but the Bible says... We are strangers. We are aliens. And I, I, and I can relate to that a little bit. I can remember I lived in South Korea. I'd go off the base. And all of a sudden, wow, I didn't look like everybody else. And I was taller than everybody else, too. And, you know, and, it, and, it was, and everybody was speaking a foreign language. They were all, you know, and they looked at you funny. But really, our Christian life is like that. If we're, if we're following Jesus, our attitude is, you're temporarily here. You may be buying your house, or even own your house. <laughs> you may have it paid off. But really, you're just renting it. Because you're not going to hold on to that forever. You're not going to have your job forever. You're not going to have this body forever. This world is a test. Arm yourself with the... As Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. You need to think about that. When you get upset about, I do, about things breaking and things not going your way and things wondering how you're gonna, this is going to work out, this, this is a temporary situation we're in. The important thing is that we stay on the path God has, has set for us. To focus on the things that he, is, he wants you to be doing, parenting your children following him wholeheartedly, loving your wife, loving your children, being faithful in all things. He, he'll take care of the rest. Let's look at Jesus. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's the ultimate example. I, I talked about the people in Hebrews, the faith chapter. But Jesus is your ultimate example to look, to model after and to look to. 
Have you ever grown weary and lost heart? Have you ever felt like this is never going to end? I don't see a way out of this situation. I, I can't get out of this sickness, this pain. I can't get out of this financial situation. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. There was a joy set before Jesus. It was heaven, wasn't it? It was the joy. It was also the joy of being able to redeem people. It was, it was the joy that, you, that he was going to save you and save us. The joy set before him. And you need, we need that today. You need to be anchored to something bigger than your circumstances. Bigger than your bank account, your 401k, your health how your kids are acting that day or how, how life is going in general. You, you, this is something that can't be taken away from you. What God has for you in heaven. No matter what happens in your life. I mean, Christian, I mean, if you've ever, if you get Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, read any of these situations. I mean, our brothers and sisters overseas, they're in prison. They're tortured. They have their homes confiscated. They, the people won't employ them because they're a Christian. All sorts of things you can think of that, largely speaking, we don't deal with here. But they also have the same anchor you have. So that you do not grow weary and lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix on our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Everything you can see with your eyes right now is temporary. You can't see, you can see my body, it's temporary. This church is temporary. Your car is temporary, your house is temporary, your job is temporary. Everything is temporary. Those are the things you can't fix your hope on. But heaven is real. And Jesus certainly is real. Those are the things you need to fix your hope on. That's your anchor to your soul. Hebrews 12.5 says, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And... And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. 
because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes every one he accepts as a son. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have had human fathers who disciplined us and and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. I hate to say this, but if you're, you're suffering, God loves you. If you're enduring something you don't understand, God loves you. If you feel like <laughs> you can barely get out of bed in the morning, God loves you. You are his son. If he didn't discipline you, he didn't, he did, you're not even his child. I mean, it helps having raised some kids and having kids still. If I didn't stop my kids and discipline them from doing wrong things, I don't really love them, and I don't really care about how they turn out. God does. He cares about it. And this hardship is discipline. He wants us to be partakers of his holiness, it says. And as, you know how stubborn we are. <laughs> you know how hard set in our ways. I know sometimes I, you know, I look at myself and go, why? How? Why am I so stubborn? God is trying to keep us going forward, guys. He's keeping us on the path of righteousness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a personal story. Uh, about these sort of things. Uh, sometimes you don't, the things in life, you don't understand why. And sometimes you never understand why. You don't know why, why these things are happening. And God just wants us to hold his hand and trust like a child. After having our, our, first, our first children, uh, my wife and I decided to have, have another. Uh, it took eight years of trials, and we had multiple miscarriages. And I was diagnosed with cancer during this time. And Annette, Annette was pregnant, uh, and she didn't miscarry. Uh, late in the pregnancy... Uh, Annette's 55-year-old father, Harold, passed away from a sudden massive heart attack late one night. You get those phone calls. Don't ever call me after, like, 11 o'clock at night. Because I, I, I assume the worst, okay? It's nothing good. After about 11 o'clock at night, of course, my daughter Abby's a night owl. Sometimes she calls after that time. But the phone rings, and my heart leaps in a bad way. No faith there, just fear. It's just the truth. We got this phone call at like midnight, and we I think we hadn't been in bed very long. 
yeah, we, you get that phone call and get to, get to Atlantic. He's had, a, he's had a heart attack. Don't know if he's going to make it. And uh, we got there, and he was, he was in the hospital. He was, he was dead. His body was just laying there. Never got to say goodbye. Uh, so this is one that's pregnant, second trimester. Uh, at this time, you know, we had already been thinking about, we lived in Ames at the time. We had decided, we had said, okay, you know, I need to move closer to work. I work downtown, Des Moines. Uh, so we, we found a house, the house we're still living in now, down in Sailor Township, and we planned to move, move there on November 11th. <laughs> and that had... And that had been pro- having problems throughout this whole pregnancy, and we were always fearful, you know, another miscarriage is coming. Uh, but the baby held on, so we're we're prepping to move. I think that I think Annette was painting something in the basement, the, the night of November November sixth, uh, that she went into labor four weeks early. Uh, just before we were going to move that Saturday, and I think this was a Wednesday night down to Des Moines, uh, and it was a self-move. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we checked into the hospital. Uh, they decided to, to wait and induce her in the morning. Uh, that, mo- that morning while she was being induced, the baby suddenly lost his heartbeat. On the morning of November 7, 2002, Jonathan Harold Janicek was born at Mary Greeley Hospital in Ames. He had been without a heartbeat for over 10 minutes, and his life was hanging by a thread. So I'm, I'm, I'm pacing out in the hallway. After pacing the floor and praying uh, for what seemed like forever, uh, I was taken to my barely alive son, hooked up to tubes and devices, and tr- and then tried to take that all in. You know, you're in a kind of in a state of shock. You don't know what to think. And the, and the hospital staff's upset. This is a small hospital. This stuff, this stuff doesn't happen. Uh, they're telling me all these terrible things about what's happened to him. And uh, Annette had, to have a, had an emergency C-section. Uh, we... They took him down to Blank's Hospital in Des Moines immediately, and I had to leave Annette up in up in Ames from the C-section. She hadn't even seen him yet because they put her out, and they took him down to, to Blank's. I, I get to I get the I get to Iowa Methodist, and they've got him all prepped because I didn't go with the ambulance. I kind of went to the went to the house and got some things and. And headed and headed down there, uh, passed off my because I have a nine to ten year old child kid at the time. I passed those off to relatives, I think. Uh, they get him there. He's he's in such bad shape. They don't expect him to live to the next day. The head nurse at Blanks uh, arranged for Annette to get transferred that day from Mary Greeley down to Methodist because Methodist and Blanks are connected. She could. You know, she could see him then because they didn't expect him to live. Uh, but God didn't allow him to die. He survived surgeries. He got off the ventilator. 
He looked happy and healthy and peace, very peaceful, even though he had severe brain damage. He was paralyzed in his legs. He, he had no sucking reflex. We spent every day for six weeks at Blank's until he was able to go home. He, they didn't expect him ever to leave the hospital. Uh, but he, he got off all these things. They did a surgery and put a feeding tube in him. Uh, he was going to need a lot of, a lot of care. Uh, he, he required round-the-clock care. We decided to try. We were willing because he, we loved him. And we're trusting God to provide a way somehow. Hundreds of people in many churches had prayed for little Jonathan. And we were believing God to heal him. We celebrated Christmas with Jonathan at home the night of December 24th. Annette's family was coming the next, the next morning. We, tr- we usually do our presents December 24th. He was so peaceful. He seemed to know us. Jonathan had never cried. Yeah, we'd never heard him cry. Couldn't suck or swallow. Was believed to be blind, cortically blind, because of his severe brain damage. That night is hard to describe. It was so special. My pages are my pages are mixed up. <laughs> All right. It was Christmas morning, about three a.m. I had told Annette to get some rest that night. We had been home about a week, and she had been staying up with him. And I told her Christmas Eve night, honey, you need to get some rest. She was exhausted in every possible way. I prepared Jonathan's feeding tube and started to feed him. After looking at his beautiful face and making sure the food was going in, I opened my Bible to the latter part of Job. Not intentionally. Job had just been reproved in the midst of his suffering and trials by his unwise friend, a wiser young man, and now Jehovah was going to speak to him. The Lord proceeds to question Job in the process and shows him his incredible wisdom, greatness, and mighty power. If you remember the story of Job, you can always just compare whatever trial you have to what Job had, and you'll feel good, okay? Ten, ten children dead. Everything he owns stolen or, or destroyed. And he's got, this, he's got these boils that he's scraping and making him miserable. And he has three men that don't know what they're talking about giving him advice, <laughs> making him upset. The unwise friends. Then, so if anybody had a right to complain, it was Job. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was a result of Job's actions either. This was something that God told the devil, have you seen my servant Job? And the devil said, oh, we'll see, we'll see what he's made out of. And God allowed him to. Then Job replied to the Lord after, after God had just spent several chapters talking about how great he was and, and how Job... Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. Surely I've spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you, 
But now my eyes have seen you, therefore I repent in dust and ashes. Job didn't know why things happened to him. And neither did my wife and I. So I read this and fell asleep on the on the bed that was because we slept I slept in the same room we were supposed to listen because he was he made no he 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 was restless the way he slept. I woke with a start around six a.m. Christmas morning. I couldn't hear him. I leaped up and found his little body was cool. And he wasn't breathing. Rushing him to my wife, she started CPR and I called 911. The paramedics arrived within 10 minutes. They took him and began chest compressions. A female sheriff's deputy was crying. On Christmas morning, the paramedics and sheriff's department were in our house at 6 in the morning. But Jonathan was with Jesus. There's an old song that was probably sang back in the 80s. I don't know if anybody sings it now. It's entitled, I Don't Understand. I Don't Need to Understand. Life is like a mighty sea, so tossed and driven. Billows rise within the heart of every man. Storms so many times will leave the heart with questions. But I don't need to understand. Just hold his hand. The chorus goes, I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. I don't even need to ask the reason why. For I know he'll make a way. Through the night and through the day. I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. When my life down here is through and Jesus calls me to my home, there beyond the golden shore, I'll look back, review the path that lay before me, then I won't need to understand anymore. You don't, I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. I don't even need to ask the reason why. For I know he'll make a way through the night and through the day. I don't need to understand. I just need to hold his hand. This is where God wants to take us. Because we're often not going to know why he's doing what he's doing. And, and his purposes are beyond our knowing often. He couldn't tell us because we wouldn't get it anyway. We need, to, we need to learn to trust him completely. So if you're in the middle of something, you don't understand, and there's a temptation to, to get angry, to do things that, say things you, 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 should, you regret, Hold on to his hand. 
Because sometimes that's all you can do is hold on to his hand. We're going to look we're going to finish this here. Hebrews twelve says No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I'm not saying you need to enjoy your suffering. I'm not saying that you should have a, a weird attitude about it. Because it, it's at the time it's painful. It's heart wrenching. You feel numb. You 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 don't know which way to turn. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And the question to us today is, will we be trained by it? Will you let your trials train you? No matter how hard they are, you need to hold to Jesus' hand. Verse 12 says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. I don't know where you are this morning. Or we've all got little things going on that are hard, and big things that are hard, or a whole bunch of things that are hard. God wants us, wants you, to strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. I mean, you've been hit so hard, your knees are wobbling, and you can hardly walk straight. And I, I've, I've felt that way at times. The whole time with Jonathan, every day was, it felt like it was a bad dream, and you felt numb. And you get up the next morning, and it, it, was a, it, was, it wasn't a bad dream. It's, it was, but God was with us in the midst of that. But it was... It was it was hard those six weeks, and then afterwards, and we couldn't really see any purpose in that. We didn't know why it happened. It seemed cruel almost. I mean, you could look at it that way: a baby taking from their family on Christmas morning. I mean, that's kind of cruel, isn't it? Doesn't that seem cruel? God's ways aren't our ways. And sometimes it takes years to understand what God's doing, and sometimes you may never understand what he's doing, or you may see little pieces of what he's doing. But there's, we can't comprehend the big picture of what he's doing. We need to hold his hand. I want to encourage you today. I know that wasn't free. It seems not very encouraging. <laughs> But it is encouraging. Ian is here because of this. Josie is because of this. Faith. Those three kids are with us because of this. Because God chose to take him. He had other plans. Lots of things God did through this. And just changing, changing our hearts 
changing us is, is the biggest thing. Because it's not what you're doing that matters. It's what you are becoming. Because out of what you become in Jesus, everything God will do comes through that. So if you're trying to do things, don't. Just become like Jesus. And the fruit happens on its own. I don't know if anybody needs prayer today. Uh, if you feel like your knees are wobbling today. Because sometimes you just you just need somebody to pray for you. Uh, I mean, if anybody needs prayer today, I, I mean, you can come forward or, or, or just stand up. You just feel overwhelmed. Uh, you, your, your weak knees are, are wobbling. God doesn't want you to fall down and give up. He doesn't want you to throw in the towel. He doesn't want you to persist in, in just a bad attitude and get yourself complaining. He wants to strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Luke's going to Luke's going to play something and I mean if if you really, if you want prayer today really about anything but just you need you need a push you need a help to get to just to, to get moving and to get out of bed this morning spiritually God wants to help you He loves you He doesn't want you to stay depressed forlorn Perplexed, he wants you to lift up the hands that hang down.